Young people were created to live dangerously for God. But how do we find the balance between stepping out of faith and taking foolish risks that God doesn't require? Hi, I'm Esther Lowe, and you are listening to the GYC Beyond podcast. In this final episode, Pastor Blanchard talks with Joel Mutry about how to hear and respond to the calling of the Holy Spirit while being wise and counting the cost. Gary shares frankly from his own experience as a young person, as well as from his years of work in ministry. As the World Youth Director, he provides relevant and up-to-date information on opportunities that are available for young people to become rightly trained and to live a life in active, aggressive, and unstoppable ministry for Christ. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're a busy man traveling all over the world and inspiring young people, but you sitting down here with us is a, is a blessing. Oh man, the honor is mine. Thank you for having me. Today we want to talk about uh, young people and the opportunities that God has for them in ministry. Oh man, um, yeah. I want to paint a scenario to you. A young person maybe went to a conference, a church, mm-hmm. a one-on-one Bible study, and they're starting to feel the tug of God on their heart. They've been reading maybe Desire of Ages or Steps to Christ or the Bible, and they're like, man, you know what? What, what what can I do to make a difference? Ooh, uh, what would man. you what would you say to a young person? They're hearing situation? the call of the wild is what they're hearing, and the call of the wild is a call of a God of heaven, calling them then to ministry to be a disciple for Him. So that's wonderful when they're they're having that sense they want to live for more than 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 just this world. That's very very uh, that's a good sign. It means the Holy Spirit is getting a hold of them. I think it's really beautiful because. Once there was conversions in the Bible, people say, like, what, what, am I, what must I do to be saved? And yeah. then now what? Yeah, right. What's the next step? Exactly, exactly. And God always says, go and, and share. Amen. You know, Ellen White comments on that the, the natural result of a converted heart is to want to share their faith. I love it. I love it. And, you know, it, the Sabbath I spoke about how God has placed innately inside the heart of a young person to live dangerously for him. Not stupidly for him, but dangerously for him. Uh, we see that in the illustration of Psalms 127 verse 4, where the Bible actually compares young people to arrows in the hands of a warrior. Arrows in the hands of a warrior are shot into the most dangerous places. That's the enemy's front lines. So young people were designed for action for God. If you want to keep young Seventh-day Adventists in the church, you have to send them. They have to be rightly trained and sent, and that's the whole purpose of Adventism. We've been given the three angels' message, the most solemn message ever given to mortals, and that message must go into the enemy front lines. And young people, they're the wings of the three angels' message. Uh, I know that when you were younger, mm-hmm. you had uh, a conversion experience. You know, you're obviously doing this for a reason. You're a pastor. You're now working to motivate others. Tell us a little bit about your experience and how you realized God's call in your life. Oh, man. When I was 16 years old, I felt very called by God to be a pastor. I felt him tugging at my heart. The problem was I didn't want to be a pastor. (laughs) That was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. But I did feel him calling me into ministry. Um, One of the things I've noticed about God is how patient he is with us. You know, I ran from the call for at least four or five years. I wanted to do anything but be a pastor. And uh, in fact, when I finally gave in to the gentle tugging of the Lord, it's kind of a gentle tugging, just wouldn't stop all the way through Southern University when I was going, trying every major but the one I felt God was calling me, uh, he wouldn't give up on me. Uh, Finally, I said, okay, Lord, I'll I'll do what you want me to do as long as I don't have to preach. And, you know, what are the chances of getting a pastoral call if you you don't want to preach? (laughs) I was too afraid to get up front. In fact, even to this day, it takes a lot of courage for me to to get up on the stage. But then when I'm up there, the Lord takes over and really directs me. I remember the first time I ever preached, I was so nervous. I couldn't stop my leg from going up and down the whole time. And people could see it. My leg was out of control. And um, I was just standing there very, very petrified. But through the years, I have found 
that the one who calls you is also the one who will come alongside you. And just like with Moses, he says, uh, who made your mouth, Moses? Don't worry, I, I, I made your mouth. I will tell you what to say. Don't you worry. If I'm calling you, move forward. So I have found God to be faithful and true, and I've also found that he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Uh, don't look at your life and say, and you're feeling a call from God, and don't, don't be tempted to think, oh, that can't be for me. I'm not worthy. Well, that's exactly the point. He calls the ungodly to the cross. Then he washes them clean, fills them with the Holy Spirit, and sets them to work for him. Very important, and one of the greatest experiences of a person's life, a great adventure serving the Lord. One of the questions that many adults ask young people is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Especially <laughs> yeah. kids, right? Yeah, yeah. I like to rephrase that. And kinda, it's almost a pet peeve of mine. Uh, I say, you know, we should really train our kids to say, what would you like, what do, what do you think God wants you to do? Wow, uh, and, good. You know, and, and how does somebody find that? You know, they know that they should be a missionary. Do they have to go to Asia or Africa or Europe to do that? Or can they also be a missionary by being a nurse or a doctor, a lawyer, et cetera? How do you, how do you find your calling? Like you're a senior in high school. Yeah. And you have absolutely no idea. What's the game plan? Mm. What, 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 like literally step by step, what does a young person do to actually try to find God's will for their life? Oh, that's a really good question. That's a that's a actually a very big question. You know, that's in, but it's a very important one too. When you're having a, a when God puts uh, in your heart a passion for the lost, He will also open doors. You just need to keep your eyes and your ears open. Um, I've learned something through the years as I've studied the Word of God and I've seen how God works around the world. Whenever there's a heart open for God, God always sends a missionary. And we see that throughout the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar, he had a heart open for God. God sent Daniel, right? Uh, Rahab in Jericho, heart open for God. God sent uh, the spies, right? You have Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He had a heart for God. He was still lost. He was a good guy, but lost. Uh, and well, who does God send? Peter. So what I'm saying is that if a young person is feeling that in their hearts, it's because God is raising them up to do something great for him. There is a mission. Uh, he has a, a purpose. There's someone in their life that needs them at that time, and God is raising up to do that. So it's a very good thing. God will open the door and make a way. The Holy Spirit will direct and guide them. I would say just really quickly some practical things. I would definitely be in tune with what's going on in your local conference. Your conference youth director has activities and events and stuff that is happening that you can get involved in. You can also check out the GC uh, website. I've I got to do a little plug for that, right? Uh, you know, uh, youth.avenus.org, and you can learn about One Year Mission, Mission Caleb, Public Campus Ministries, 100K, where we're challenging young people to have 100,000 evangelistic series around the world. So there's these websites they can go to to look at, see if God is speaking to them through those things, um, but keeping their eyes and ears open. If God is stirring their heart to do a, doing something for him, God will open doors. They just need to open their eyes and open their ears for the opportunities. And don't be too proud for humble things. It may be that you're going to be picking up chairs. Maybe that's the first thing you're going to start doing. You remember Elijah started out by washing Elijah's hands, right? So maybe a simple step that God is calling them to take whatever opportunities God gives you. The first call to ministry I ever got was a call to play guitar, and I didn't know how to play guitar. But they needed a, uh, somebody to play guitar for uh, Academy, Burton Academy. So I learned that summer how to play, and that was the first thing I did is I led song service at Burton Academy. God opened that little door for me, scared to death to do it. But eventually, I got better at it, and uh, God opened doors for them. That happened to me. It's really hard to play a guitar <laughs> when your hands are so sweaty, huh? Yeah, that's true. You're scared Because <laughs> you're so nervous. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, some people say that, actually, well, they say, and it's also true, that many young people are leaving the church. And you, you mentioned this before. And as a young person who's listening to this, obviously, if they're listening to it, they probably don't want to leave the church. Mm. But sometimes it just happens yeah. uh, because the church might not be offering certain things. What would you say about 
you know, being an, from an adult's perspective, what should we be doing? You mentioned a little bit before, what should we be doing to keep the, chur- the, the, the young people in the church? Oh, yeah. Uh, this generation is reached by inspiration. That's what I would say. Um, one of the best stories in all the Bible about why, why we're using young people and how to get them back is 1 Samuel chapter 14. It's the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. Do you remember uh, Saul was sitting under the pomegranate tree doing nothing? He st- Saul, the king, uh, Jonathan's father, started out with 3,000 soldiers. 3,000 young men, young warriors with him. But by the time we get to 1 Samuel chapter 14, he's down to like 600. They've been deserting him. Why? Because he's sitting under the pomegranate tree while the enemy is, is completely encircling Israel. So in other words, he's playing it safe. He's not living dangerously. He's not going after the enemy like he was supposed to. He's hiding under a pomegranate tree. So finally, this young man named Jonathan says, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm, I'm, we're going to go. God has told us to go forward. We're going to go forward. So Jonathan moves forward in the mission. He takes his armor bearer with him. And you remember the Philistines fall back, right? Well, there's, here's where the story gets really exciting. Because all of a sudden, these young men that had left Saul, some of them were hiding in the caves. Others of them had actually joined the Philistines side. When they saw Jonathan and the armor bearer moving forward and God doing miracles and knocking down the Philistines, they started coming out of the rocks and they, they left the enemy side and began to join the movement. If we're going to reach this generation, we need to lead by example. We need to move forward. We need to be bold. Young people who are in the church, who are fired up for God, need to move forward and living dangerously for God. And the other young people who are hiding in the caves or who have deserted will be inspired by that. So I would say again that this generation is reached by inspiration. You can talk all day about it, but it's when they see another young person. Uh, I shared this on Sabbath, but Bernie Canoe, that young man who laid down his life in Papua, Indonesia. I mean, heartbreaking story, but this bold young man, uh, a nursing student, he goes to Papua, Indonesia, the furthest, I think it was like the, the Star Mountain Regency of Papua, Indonesia, and he's out there taking a bath one day, and he gets attacked, you know. He loses his life out there, but all these young people has started to sign up to be a part of mission service after they saw that because they were inspired by this man's guts and his courage and is willing to move forward. And uh, so I would say what we need to do is we need to move forward. We spend a lot of time trying to get kids to come out from under the caves and leave the enemy side. We're spending a lot of time doing that. But this generation is reached by inspiration. Show them. I think it's fascinating yeah. that activation or doing something breeds inspiration. Come on now, preach it. That's, that, that's really awesome. When I was in high school, I remember um, we went on mission trips. My academy went every year, and it was, it was such a blessing and, a, and part of my conversion. Hmm. I do remember, however, that some of my classmates were not allowed by their parents to go on these trips uh, because it could, quote, be too dangerous right. or whatnot. Right. What's the balance between being smart and not being dumb, yeah. uh, but at the same time knowing that God will protect you. So living yeah. dangerously, but not living dumb or presumptuous. Well said. In fact, Jesus tells, said it clearly, didn't he? I send you out among wolves. Be as what? Wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. He didn't say go stupid. He said be strategic when you go. Um, yeah, parents, need, parents are obviously going to be concerned, even if their young people are, are, are living in a, a safe area, if they're going to a safe place. My heart, I worry for my daughter, even though she's uh, going to one of our great universities. I worry because I'm a parent. That's what parents do, and that's great. Um, and obviously, uh, whenever a young person wants to do a mission project and get involved, parents should find out hey, where they're going. Do the people that they're going with know what they're doing? right? Do they know the culture they're trying to reach? Uh, Is there some kind of uh, strategy in mind, some kind of strategic thing happening? Or is this something that uh, is not well planned and well organized? So parents have a right to ask that question. They should. Living dangerously does not mean living stupid. No, that's very, very true. How does a young person 
decide what to do. I know there's many, we're going to get into some specific ideas and initiatives that the general conference and the church has going on. Um, but more on a general perspective, like how do you know if you're going to be a doctor? How do you know if you're mm-hmm. going to be uh, a nurse? Um, should I be a, should I do a share him mission trip like short term or should I, you know, go off and, you know, do what the gentleman did and live and be a AF missionary or yeah, something yeah. like that? How do you know? Oh, wow. Interesting. Well, I, I really like, uh, in fact, before we, we were interviewing here, we actually talked about this. Um, we talked about how God has placed passions in our young people's hearts. You know, some some passions that they have that not everybody else has. And I, I would say to a young person asking, what is God's calling on my life, is, is to ask yourself a simple question, what are my passions and what are my talents? Because God is actually directing your life based on those. You can be a powerful, you don't have to be a pastor to make an impact in people's lives. You can be a businessman, you can be a carpenter. We're all missionaries, regardless of what our occupation is, we're all undercover missionaries. So whatever God has placed on your heart, whatever passion he's given you, uh, whatever career goal he's put on your heart, it's all so that you might effectively be a net to reach other uh, people that God wants to lead into the kingdom. So I would say this, without a question, all of us, regardless of our occupation, are missionaries. No, I I really like that. No matter if you work and are paid by the church and you're a full-time missionary or if you're a full-time missionary at home yeah but self-employed yeah god wants to use us yeah and <laughs> can i just jump in one more time Real, something i wanted to say too is we're very co- we're very concerned here in north america because many of our pastors are going to be retiring very soon so there'll be a large vacuum of places that need to be filled by by uh, new young pastors coming through and we're not seeing as many as we should coming through the ranks so i want to say if anybody's listening right now I'm not, I'm not talking bad about being a pastor. If you're being called to be a pastor, praise God. You're being called to be a Bible worker, praise God. You're being called to be a Bible professor, praise God. Step up to, the, up to, up to bat because uh, it's a great need in the church, and I believe God is calling young men and young women to ministry. I want to ask you a question. It's kind of like yeah. a biblical question on knowing God's will. Many times people wait until they know everything before yeah. they act. And then there's the other side where you just do, do, do recklessly, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But the Bible does say in Isaiah that you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk in it when you turn to the right and left. Oh, good Comment on, on that topic of, you know, the balance between doing first and then knowing, you know, et cetera, and, uh, and learning as you go. Yeah. Whenever the word of God says something, regardless of what you think, go with the word of God. I've never regretted following the word of God. I've always regretted not doing it. But I've also known sometimes the more I've walked with God through the years, the more I've been able to distinguish his voice. He lets me know when it's time to move on to another job or move on to another area. You learn to hear his, the whisper of the Holy Spirit. He does speak to us. You are absolutely right quoting that verse because there's, it is so true. There's, there'll be a voice. And if, you, if you're not used to hearing the voice of God like Samuel, Yes, uh, he didn't know who it was. He thought it was Eli, right, calling him. It was actually God. He hadn't learned to hear his voice yet. But the more you walk with God, the more his voice becomes more distinct, and you know when it's God's voice. You still balance it with the Word of God, of course, but there's that voice that, that you listen, that still small voice, and when I hear that, I know it's God, and I know I, I need to move in that direction. Let's talk about what the General Conference has going on for the, for the church and for the yeah, youth. Sure. Um, Let's, let's talk about local. I know that you guys have initiatives and things that you would want people to do in their local church. And, of course, you have, like, mission opportunities abroad. Let's talk about local. If a young person says, hey, I want to be involved, um, but I can't go anywhere right now or whatnot, what can they do? Oh, what can they do to get involved? Well, you know, like I said a little while ago, check with your, obviously, um, your local youth pastor if you can. If there's a pastor in your church that, uh, that works with youth, find out what are some things you can do to help out. Get involved there. Start with your local church. If you have a youth pastor, come on, work with your pastor or your senior pastor. It doesn't have to be your, if you don't have a youth pastor, work with them. Find some things locally there that are needed. Or maybe also in your community, 
man, a great way to reach people for the kingdom is to get involved in community efforts. Also, like I said a little while ago, uh, the next step would be to get in, in touch with your conference, find out what's going on, learn what their website is, learn what social media platforms your, your conference has for youth ministry, get actively involved in those things. Um, so that's what I would say. I would say uh, start as close as you can to where you're at. Remember what Jesus said? He said, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses for me. And he says in Jerusalem. He starts in Jerusalem. He doesn't start at the end. He starts in Jerusalem, and then Samaria, and then Judea, and then to the end. So start closest to where you're at. You don't have to go across the ocean unless God's calling you to go. If he's calling you across the ocean, go, for sure. If he's opening up doors for that to happen, go. But uh, otherwise, start in Jerusalem. It's true because many times people think that, oh, I want to do great and big things for God. Yeah, yeah. But we're not faithful in the little things <laughs> here. True. And uh, that's something that, that God convicts all of us about. It's and true. it's so powerful. Yeah. Because really, big things are just a bunch of small little things put together. Oh, man. Yes. Well said. Let's talk about what the General Conference has to offer worldwide, some initiatives. I know that yeah. they have, you mentioned a few already. Let's talk about them. Let's break them down and actually get practical how they can get involved and what they actually look like. Okay. Well, first of all, I would say uh, go to youth.adventist.org. This is our website, and you're going to find so many things on there, exciting stuff that's happening, a lot of big initiatives. I would also say to also make sure you uh, friend us on GC Youth Ministries on Facebook. Because a lot of stuff is coming through there all the time of events and activities. So really, if you want to know what's going on, all you need to do is check those two websites. But I'll highlight a few things for you. First of all, we have Global Youth Day coming up in March. Global Youth Day is an amazing event around the world. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids involved in being the sermon on Sabbath. Some of them go to church on Sabbath and hear a message, and then they go out and they be the sermon. Others just spend the day being the sermon on Sabbath. It's no sermon. <laughs> yeah, some of them choose that route. Um, and, and either way is fine. In fact, I personally encourage them to go and hear a sermon first, then go and be the sermon, because we want, want to make sure that they understand that both are important. But um, they're out there being the hands and feet of, of Jesus, and that's in March, and I'm very excited about that. What, um, day, what day in March? Uh, it's the 16th of March. Yeah, March 16th. So it's the third weekend there. On in March, but uh, where, yeah. where can they find out more information about that? Yeah, youth.avenus.org. Okay, it's all there. Oh, oh man, everything you need to know how to get it started in your local church. Um, hopefully, your youth pastor or your uh, your local conference knows about it. But if not, you d you can skip the middleman. Don't tell them I told you that. But you can skip the middleman. Go to youth.avenus.org. Uh, so Global Youth Day is a big thing. We have One Year in Mission. Very excited about One Year in Mission. Yeah. One thing I want to ask you about, um, yeah. the Global Youth Day, what are some examples of things people, and do they just go pass out tracks? Do they feed the homeless? Like, what are some things that people can get involved in just even by listening here? This is a really good, very good question. Uh, we have different themes each, each year. This year, it's adopt. The idea is for them to uh, adopt a, an elderly person that they can care for in an elderly home, adopt a, an animal, maybe adopt a, a prisoner, adopt a homeless person. It's to really uh, take somebody under your wing and care for somebody. Now, let me just say something about Global Youth Day. Global Youth Day is not supposed to be a one-day event. It's supposed to start a, kick you off a lifestyle. So, every, so, so when you start Global Youth Day, it's, it's a beginning of your entire year of working with, with this person that you're adopting. So this year it's adopt. And... Um, we really want to challenge young people to be the sermon by loving and caring and adopting somebody in, in unconditionally. Before we move on to the next one, do you have maybe like a testimony or example of how this has impacted young people or maybe the community? Either or. Wow. Um, we have so many of them. I mean, in fact, um, 
you want to make sure that you go to, I'm going to plug it again, GC Youth Ministries uh, Facebook page because we will live stream this thing and you will see young people from all the world there during Global Youth Day. They will actually show the things that they're doing. You're going to see young people excited as they do things all around the world. Some of the things will be live. Some of the things will be pre-recorded, uh, maybe a week or two before. But like I said, Global Youth Day is a springboard for a lifestyle. I really love that. You mentioned a year in mission. Let's go oh, there. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. We're challenging every union around the world to have a one-year mission. One-year mission is where uh, teams of young people, 18 and older, um, come together, and they come up with a plan using Ellen White's strategy. You know what it is. Ministry of Healing, page 143, Christ's method alone, socialize, sympathize, serve, and save. They, come up, they use that template. Together, they come up with a plan to reach a particular city, and they spend the entire year working that strategy based on Ministry of Healing, page 143. And i got to tell you, brother, around the world, the stories we're hearing are amazing. Young people reviving local churches by this ministry, young people planting churches through this ministry, starting ministries. And so we're challenging every single union around the world to have a one-year mission. And everything you need to know about one-year mission is at youth.avenus.org. Man, that's the website to go to. We just have a theme going on here, don't we? I want you to go a little bit deeper into the Christ Method of Load Summary, because I love that quote, yeah. and I love the concept of helping people, meeting their needs, mm. because it builds confidence, as the quote says, yeah. but I love how you summarize it. I'm actually going to keep that <laughs> and use that when I, when I present and I explain to people. L- let's go into just because some people might not even know what that is, yeah. um, you know, because we can think of you know, ministries like just preaching and, yeah. and passing out tracks. That's like the traditional right. uh, way. It's very effective, but there's more to service than just doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's break those down. Well, I've just noticed that in a lot of things we do, we do, we either do a bunch of loving acts in the community, but never share Jesus or we preach Jesus, but never do any loving acts in the community. What Ellen White was pointing out in ministry of healing page 143 is that our ministries need to be redemptive. In other words, we need to love the people in the community but ultimately, we need to lead them to the Savior, Jesus Christ. And one of my favorite um, stories about this is in Acts chapter 3. Remember the story of, of Peter and John? They were going to the temple for prayer, and they, they see the beggar, and they said, Silver and gold have we none, but in the name of Jesus. And they reached out their right hand. That, that right hand is the hand of grace, a favor. In the name of Jesus, they reached out and helped the man up. That right there is what Ellen White's talking about. It's, it's going into our communities in the name of Jesus, in the name of Christ, boldly saying the things that we're doing are because of him and what he did for us and, and reaching out that right hand of grace toward others that are in need and helping them up. Um, it's very interesting. As soon as they reached out the right hand in the name of Jesus to help them up, a miracle happened. When we go out in the community redemptively, we're going to see signs and wonders and miracles done in Jesus' name, supernatural stuff happening, crazy stuff happening. And you remember this young man came into the church as a result of that. So we need to make sure we understand Ellen White's strategy. She says to socialize, sympathize with the community, right? Serve them, and then save them. Lead them to Christ. I think that's really powerful. Is there another uh, initiative that you guys have going on? We've got lots of them. We have a Mission Caleb as well. Caleb is kind of uh, one-year mission light. Does that make sense? Uh, one-year mission is one year, but Caleb can be a week. It can be two weeks or three weeks. But what's cool about Caleb is it's very synergy. It's a lot of synergy. What happens is... Um, all the youth uh, leaders in, the, in a conference and all the youth leaders sometimes in a union will pull all their young people together and get an army of young people together. And that army will go into a particular city. And they'll go in the city and they'll spend the day uh, practicing ministry of healing one, 143, right? Like we just got done talking about. But then in the evening, they'll hold evangelistic meetings. I was in uh, Lima, Peru uh, about maybe about a year ago. 
And brother, I got to tell you, stuff I saw there was amazing. I, I wish it could happen around the world. But what happened is um, all these youth leaders got together, all their kids, and they brought 10,000 kids to the city of Lima. 10,000. They filled a stadium, uh, a stadium of kids, and they worshiped and praised God. Then they all went out and did acts of kindness throughout the week. And then every night they held evangelistic meetings. And I remember driving down an alley road and seeing several young people up on a stage preaching and people looking out of their windows seeing these young people preaching the three angels' message. They baptized hundreds. It just, it, so, but Caleb, Ca- uh, Caleb mission is a combined effort that, that's pretty, it's a short-term thing, but a, a mass of young people. Uh, doing all these acts of, of kindness in a city. So they, they swarm the city, basically. It's pretty cool. What would you say to, to a young person who is seeking to do God's will and to do something radical, uh, but they don't have a lot of support? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes that they come across that, maybe from family. Uh, sometimes they're the only Christian, or uh, even their church family, unfortunately, yeah. is not supportive. They're the only young person. What would you say uh, with that? Well, they need to respect their parents. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which you're living in. And we know that that's, that's the case. They need to be communicating with their parents um, and, and talking to them and explaining to their parents how God is moving on their hearts. Um, ultimately, though, all of us need to make a decision to obey the Lord, even when, uh, even when uh, what we want to do is opposed to what our parents want us to do. We need to be willing to obey the Lord. So I would encourage young people to work very carefully and honor their parents, their father and their mothers. Um, and, and, but also keep in mind that ultimately they need to be obedient to the Lord. A good example, this is Jonathan, like I just shared with you. Jonathan didn't get permission from his father. Of course, he, he was an older uh, young man. He was an older. He wasn't a, kid, a young person. He was, he was older, but he didn't get permission from his father. He went, and God did a mighty thing. And basically his father ended up following him, following his example. That's really beautiful. What's your favorite Bible character? I know we mentioned several here um, that illustrates this idea of living boldly for God. Oh, boy. Well, Jonathan, obviously, first first Samuel chapter 14 uh, to me is a huge example of of what it means to live boldly for God. Um, I think there's a whole lot of them, especially in the history of our church. Like I love the story of um, Abraham LaRue, (laughs) a 66 year old man living in Windsor, California, man boy, just 66 years old, dude. And he feels a call of the wild to go to China. So he goes to the, the, le- the church leaders and he says, hey, guys, I really feel called to go to China. And they're like, dude, you're 66 years old. You can't do that. What does he do? He goes back, he raises the money, and he funds his own way to Hong Kong. He goes to Hong Kong and he leads people to Jesus. He was bold, man. He just went forward because God was calling him. He tried to get people to support him, but he couldn't get it. So he he was faithful to God regardless. And he raised the money to go himself. He made up his own flyers. Uh, People were converted. Uh, Ten years later, they finally sent a, quote, official missionary to China. And by then, uh, Abraham uh, LaRue had led uh, several to to be ready for baptism. This is a great story. That is absolutely absolutely uh, inspiring because yeah. unfortunately there's not always support, and that's a good example of not support as well. There was sure. no support, but he went and did it anyway. He did it anyway. I mean, I could tell you stories. I just mentioned to you Bernie Canoe, which is inspirational, uh, March 2018, when he laid down his life for the cause of Christ. It was a great story there. But I could tell you, what about J.N. Andrews, who sacrificed everything? His wife passed away. His daughter passed away. He eventually died. But he laid it all down for the Lord. And I like what God says, that if you lose your life, you'll find it. You know, we, we, don't, we, we need to remember something, brother. It's more dangerous serving the devil than it is serving Jesus. Right? 
And so we got to keep that in mind that, yes, living for God is living dangerously. Not stupid, but it's living dangerously. But it's much more dangerous living for the devil. Not only that, it's not as much fun, too, because Jesus has said if we live for him, we'll find our life and not lose it. Come on. I think that's powerful. And something that you said reminded me, and I just thought of this, it's much more dangerous to not do anything at all as well, which is really working for the devil. Yeah. Because doing nothing, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're, it's just not a good situation to be in. You got a good point there. People think that what's the risk of, risk of action or the risk, risk of doing nothing? Exactly. Which one's worse? Well, you know, I would say this too, that Jesus said you're either gathering or scattering. There's no such thing as not doing anything. You know, by your life, you're either turning people on to God or turning them on to the enemy. There's no middle ground. There's no fence sitting. I love the story of the young man that's sitting on the fence one day, and Jesus comes up to him and says, come follow me. And the young man says, no, I'm going to sit on the fence. Jesus says, please, come follow me. And this young man says, no, I'm staying on the fence. So Jesus goes. The devil shows up and says, come on, young man, come follow me. And the man says, nope, I'm going to stay on the fence. And the devil smiled and said, that's okay. I own the fence. Ooh, that was a good one. That was a good one. In our last closing uh, moment, uh, minutes here, uh, I want us to take a little uh, bird's eye view uh, and kind of more in a, an appeal way. Uh, talk to the young people that are listening. Um, you've been in ministry for many, many years, mm-hmm. and uh, you work with, uh, with, with young people, and you've seen a lot, and you've learned a lot. Um, what are a couple pieces of advice, looking back at years of ministry, for a young person now looking forward, what can they learn from you so that they don't make the same mistakes <laughs> or, yeah, or, yeah. or can be more efficient and effective for God? Oh, man. You know, I wish I... I wish I, at the very beginning, had a better understanding of the gospel and how much Jesus loved me, and, and I had a greater handle of that. I think I spent a lot of my life trying to get God to like me. I'm, I'm sad to say that, but I felt like a lot of times I, I, I didn't understand that, um, how much he loved me and that my actions should be outflow of what he's done for me and how much he, he loves and cares for me. You know, what I really love is the story of uh, David's mighty men. Remember, there were 37 of these guys. These guys did crazy stuff. I mean, one of them fought off, like, what, 800 men by himself. I mean, he was a phenomenal warrior. Another guy uh, defended a field by himself uh, and killed off a, another 300 or whatever. Another guy jumped in a cave with uh, an Egyptian that was seven feet tall and killed him. And, and it, it, Crazy stuff. These guys were the, David's mighty men. Amazing. And, I've, and the mystery question is, why were they willing to do all that stuff for David? And if you look back on the history of these guys, these guys at one time were recluses. They were rejected by King Saul. They had nowhere to go. But David let them in. David wrapped his arms around them and let, brought them in, accepted them, and loved them. And they became mighty warriors for David, did incredible exploits because he had first loved them. You know where I'm going with this, right? Well, they fought for David. We fight for the son of David, Jesus Christ, who also accepted us in a mighty way. So I would say to all the young people listening here, put your eyes on the cross. Take a look at what Jesus did for you, how much he loves you, how much he accepts you, how he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Um, Remember that Jesus uh, says to, to you to come as you are to him. And here's the good news, that as we come to Christ and we realize how much he loves us, we respond in love to him and great exploits for him like David's mighty men. What's the closing words? That was super awesome. Um, but somebody's on the fence. They're like, I don't know if I, I, I want to be successful. I want to make money. I want to have a family. Yeah. I want to have the white picket fence. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> uh, t- tip the scale for them. Oh, well, you know, um, you may not have the white picket fence and, and all the things of the world, but I'll tell you this right now, that God has blessed me mightily. If you follow Jesus, boy, uh, did he say it? you'll find life and find it more abundantly? But I'll tell you what, you never be bored for serving God, and he will give you what you need. Uh, He's taken care of me. I've been so blessed. As you follow Jesus, he will at the right time 
give you the right person to marry, uh, guide you to the right career. And it's not that life will be easy all the time, okay? But there'll be, but he will care for you and, and guide you through this life. He's the great shepherd. So you don't need to worry about all that. If you give your life to Jesus, you know everything's going to be okay in his time. You just know that. If you don't give your life to Christ, you don't know what's coming your way. Thank you so much for yeah. joining me. And uh, I know the young people, I even myself was re-encouraged to continue to live for God. Come which on. Is awesome. Amen. And so thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, brother. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or others from the Beyond Podcast, look out for a new podcast series coming up entitled Learn and Share, which I will be hosting along with Joe Mutre. Go to learnandsharepodcast.com to find out more.